Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the South Bay Show, South Bay Spotlight, on June 13th, 2019. Live, love, laugh, and leave a legacy. That's what we do here in the South Bay of Los Angeles, and it's a really beautiful place to do just that. This segment of the South Bay Show is brought to you by Your Actualized Visions, a local advertising agency. Your Actualized Visions offers all your advertising needs under one roof, from logo design, business cards, banners, and signage, to online services such as website design, SEO management, promotional videos, reputation management, and loyalty promotions, you name it and your actualized visions will handle it for you on time and under budget. Built on the needs of their clients, your actualized visions is competitively priced and economical, saving you money and greatly enhancing your bottom line. At Your Actualized Visions, customer service is all local with one point of contact. No more dealing with robo-answering machines, getting the runaround, or speaking to someone in another country. Your Actualized Visions understands your hyper-local advertising needs and focuses on bringing you real clients. They do not buy likes, followers, or fake results. Your campaigns are real, built with real community followers who want to purchase your services and products. The only thing standing in the way of your company's success is you now picking up the phone right now and calling your actualized visions at 310-413-8773. To learn more about what your actualized visions can do for you and your company, visit the website at youractualizedvisions.com. Your actualized visions, your dreams today, not someday. I'm your host. Joe Terry, and you can read all about our many adventures on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash The South Bay Show. Persistence, passion, principle, and purpose, that's what we talk about here on The South Bay Show. And of course, I'm not alone because of our great partnership with South Bay by Jackie.com and executive producer of The South Bay Show, Jackie Balestra. Hey, Jackie, how are you? Um, I, I'm sorry for the noise there. I was I I had to put my readers on and my headset came off. Sorry about that. I'm well. I'm okay. well. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm very good. Things are going well. The market is up. <clears throat> okay, uh, <laughs> that's how you start your day, huh? If the market's up, everything right. is well. Well, I have to ask you. I have to ask you the sixty-four thousand dollar question. Uh, what did you do last Thursday night? Uh, last Thursday, <laughs> um, I went to a photographic uh, showing and opening at the Palos Verdes Art Center. Oh, you did go. You did go. Oh, I'm I so glad go. to hear you. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, yes. Uh, I'm, I'm always happy to hear when you get 
<laughs> I'm always happy to hear when you get out of the house. Yes, that's that's good. I, that's good. I only, so you did go. I only go out. I yes, I only go out for special events, and uh, this was pretty special. Anna Wilding is a an accomplished uh, uh, actress, uh, uh, producer, director. Um, um, she's been in many uh, productions uh, uh, over the years, and she's originally from New Zealand, I believe. And and she, uh, as a photographer spent two years in the Obama White House, and some of the photographs that she got, Jackie, are just unbelievably good, amazing. And uh, so she now has an exhibit at uh, the Palos Verdes Art Center called Celebrate Hope, and uh, it's a must-see. It's a great, great, great uh, photographic uh, uh, showing, and uh, you should go see them. They are also, many of them are uh, for sale. Some of them are not. I, apparently, but yeah, it was fun. Good. I'm glad you went. You represented us. That, that was good because, as yeah. we all know, you don't you yeah. don't go out much. Um, while while you were doing that, I, I I handled all the other heavy work this weekend. Uh, I don't know if you saw my weekend guide last week, but I was particularly interested. There were a bunch of art shows last weekend, right. and you know that I'm going to be redecorating later this year, so I'm going to all these, I've been going to art shows for months, because I want to I want to um, find stuff by local artists, you know, and mm-hmm. so I've been going to art shows, you know, everyone I can find, and, and last weekend there were, there were like, you know, four of them, Anna Wilding included, and, um, but I made it to the other three, that was the one I didn't get to, but I made it to the other three, and one of them was the preview for uh, the El Segundo Museum of Art, El- Esmoa's uh, new experience, number 41, Oz. So that was very cool. Um, that actually opens today, uh, and that's going to be our uh, – that's what we're going to be talking about today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, great. That's fantastic. <laughs> All right, so shall we get right to it? Well, Jackie, who are who is our guest today? Okay, our guest this morning is is Jeff Kaysen. He's the curator of Esmo's Experience Number Forty One Oz. Now, Jeff has twelve years of experience as a theatrical producer, director, and creative executive. He has founded several theatrical production companies, including Soundstage Live, Redland Civic Light Opera, and Broadway in the Park, and has served as director of marketing for Concept Design Productions creating conference and exhibit solutions for Fortune 1000 clients. He is an accomplished freelance lighting, scenic, and projection designer for theater and events, having worked on over 60 shows throughout Southern California. Most recently, Jeff created, directed, and produced Celebrate, a fireworks spectacular presented by Chevron. Now, this morning, we're going to, as I mentioned, we're going to learn about uh, El Segundo Museum of Art Experience Number 41, Oz, as in, yes, The Wizard of Oz, Oz, which opens today at the El Segundo Museum of Art. Welcome to the program, Jeff. We're so glad you could join us this morning. Thank you. So glad to be here. Yes, well, so uh, as I mentioned. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah, go ahead, John. I'm sorry, sorry I, didn't wanna, I didn't want to step on you. No, please. No, as I mentioned, <laughs> as I mentioned to Joe uh, just now, I attended the preview for Oz uh, Thursday Thursday evening. And um, while he was doing his thing, I was I was representing in El Segundo. He was at the other end of the South Bay. Hmm. Jeff? J- 
Joe. Anybody yes. there? Hi. Okay. I'm here. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. All right. Take it away, Joe. Well, I mean that 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 was um, an entree, uh, Jeff. We want to know uh, about this experience number forty-one. But before we get to the experience number forty-one first, Oz, tell us a little bit about the the larger picture because unfortunately, believe it or not, there's some people who have never actually been to the El Segundo Museum of Art. Tell us what ESMOA is about. Sure. Well, ESMOA is a fantastic organization. Um, They are a museum, but they call themselves an art lab. Um, And I think that's very Mm -hmm. fitting because they're all about experimenting uh, with different types of art and different ways of presenting art um, so that people can experience it. Um, and so what I love about them is with each, exib- uh, each experience that they do, we're now on experience 41, um, they're not looking to get into the same groove or pattern that they've been in before, but how can we introduce the public to a, a new way of looking at the great art mm-hmm. that's out there? Now, uh, ESMOA has done some landmark uh, art laboratories uh, in the past, one that that I'll always remember for the rest of my life was about graffiti through history, with in in uh, partnership with uh, the Getty Foundation, and that just was it kind of cooked my noodle because the idea that there was graffiti, uh, you know, in Leonardo da Vinci's time is uh, kind of, you know, amazing to think about. And uh, then the, the the sort of confluence with graffiti today and tagging and so forth as an art form, I think was uh, just uh, amazing and, and groundbreaking and like world-class. <laughs> when you think about ESMOA, how does ESMOA rank in terms of the uh, the museums around the country? Because that one was world class. Sure. Um, yes, I know that that was uh, probably their most popular experience, um, just from what I've heard uh, from people who are there. Uh, this was my first collaboration with ESMOA, so it was a real treat to kind of get to know um, their their organization more and their process. Um, but I think that they really just are on the forefront of uh, presenting art in a new way, and I think that makes them quite unique in the uh, art landscape. Um, you know, many museums really just have their lane, um, whether it's presenting artifacts or, um, you know, uh, artworks that are from a certain era or in a certain type of style. You always know what you're going to get when you're there, but ESMOA really changes that up and gives you a fresh experience every time. I think that really sets them apart. That's mm-hmm. so the truth mm-hmm. that you just, you, that is, that is truth right there because I've been to, you know, I think I've only missed about three or four of, of their, their previews. I mean, I, I've been to almost every experience that they've done and every time you don't, you're right. You don't know what to expect when you walk in. Um, it's completely unique. I like to think it's a South Bay thing um, because 
we we have we have a little bit of a, a what's the word I'm looking for? Mm. Well, another example of what Jeff was explaining about how they you know they're doing their own thing. You know, the El in El Segundo as well. <clears throat> we have the Automobile Driving Museum, which is up until very recently, which was up until very recently, the only car museum that would take you for drives in the car. You know, um, it, you know, I, there, I think there's a little precedent for Esmoa on this. You know, up seriously, up until I think last year, um, I was I stopped in there last week, and uh, one of the gals that runs things there was telling me that they just opened one similar to it in Florida late last year. But up until then, it was the only car museum in the world that actually keeps fluids in their cars and takes them out every Sunday for drives. They pick three cars every Sunday and takes that for, for Sunday drives. You can actually drive in these cars. So what Esmo is doing, as I said, you know, maybe there's something in the water in El Segundo. You know, people are people aren't, uh, you know, they're thinking outside outside the lines, outside the box. Um, yeah, and uh, uh, the last ex- uh, uh, experience, Eat was it? Eat was it called Eat? Yeah, I think it was called Eat. That that mm-hmm. blew me away. I, you know something? All of them, all of them in one way or another, kind of blows you away. You know, you you got. Of course, you obviously have to be in the right frame of mind. You have to be open. You have to be you have to be ready to experience something different. Um, but it's again one of those things that in a lot of these experiences, they have priceless works of art on exhibit, like right there. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. yes, there's security there, but you don't have to stand behind a velvet rope. You know, um, what what they what they're doing, what they've done for the city of El Segundo is amazing, Jeff. Just amazing. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And uh, you bring up a great point: is that you know you get that intimate feel um, in their space. Uh, it's not behind velvet ropes. Um, you get to get right up to the art, but they do get world class art. Uh, and, and so it's really neat for folks to be able to experience that in a way they might not otherwise in a bigger museum. So I, 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 Jeff, you spoke, you did the curatorial remarks Thursday. You're a local South Bay boy, aren't you? I am, uh, born and raised here in El Segundo. Yeah. Cause I, in your intro, um, you did the, I, I saw that you did the, uh, fireworks spectacular that Chevron puts on every year for, for the city of El Segundo, right? Uh, so this spectacular was actually connected to the city of El Segundo Centennial. Um, oh, and, uh, okay. Yeah, so we, we had a big celebration towards the end of our uh, centennial year uh, with an original um, fireworks and projection and light show uh, that was done uh, at the high school. Okay, well, you, men- you mentioned um, a projection and light show. and so I want to ask you about something before we get into the details of Oz, because the, the, there's a lot of details in this show, Joe. You haven't seen it yet. You you should make a point to go mm. by this weekend because there's so much there's so much to the much more to the Wizard of Oz than I ever knew. I mean, I'm clueless. Mm. I mean, I know I know the movie with Judy Garland. That's what I know. Right. And there's so much more right. to it than that. But before we get to that, Jeff, I wanted to ask you um, when I when I when they sent me the press release for for this experience. And I posted it, I guess originally, um, because it was produced with Soundstage Live, there was going to be some sort of an interactive uh, aspect 
to it where during the daytime hours, you know, the exhibit was free, but at night you could it was a ticketed event and you and it would be interactive, something you would do with your phone. And then when I when I got there I was speaking to Eugenia and she said, No, no, we canceled that that part of it. And we didn't get into detail or anything, but I was I just wanted to ask you about that first. What what was it it, it just sounded so cool. So what was it that's supposed to be about? Sure. Well, it's funny, the story of how this came about, this was kind of an evolving project over the last uh, nine or ten months. Um, originally, I actually uh, approached uh, the museum team because I am a theatrical producer, and I was looking for a non-traditional venue to stage the musical The Wizard of Oz. Um, and they're so wonderful and open about you know, new ways of presenting art. Um, that you know they were interested and and we talked about it and started putting our heads together and quickly realized that uh, a live musical production in the space um, probably wasn't the best sort of presentation we could do. We wanted to do something that was a little more art forward. But uh, what you're referencing is you know we kind of originally then had this concept of how do we do digital performances um, that characters might pop out of the paintings. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of help tell that story of Oz in the museum and have this uh, mobile interactive component. Um, and again, as projects go, sometimes they shift and change. And so for us, um, you know, two things happened. Uh, one, uh, we got so much great art, and I know we'll talk about these pieces in a moment, that we realized we didn't want a show that was so busy an experience that was so busy that people couldn't appreciate uh, the art that was there. And so, you know, we made the decision to kind of focus this whole experience more on these beautiful artworks. Um, and secondly, we were bifurcating our audience. It was kind of this daytime museum show, this nighttime projection show, and we wanted to combine it and, and really make this a, an experience that was free for people to experience um, and, and more audiences uh, could learn the story behind us. Mm. All right. Okay. All right. Yeah, no, I get it. You know, things as, as things happen, things change and I guess in the art world like any place else you have to be nimble and figure out um, you know, the best <laughs> way the best way to the best way to do things. Um so Joe, before we yeah. before we get the inside scoop on Oz, what do you know about the wonderful world of Oz? What do you know? What's your what's been your experience? What do I know <clears throat> about the wonderful world of Oz? Well, I I believe I, I you know it's it's uh, uh, shrouded in in antiquity, <laughs> but I believe that the story of Oz was the story of a particular someone I don't remember who, um, and their kind of I I want to say their private struggle with addiction and or mental illness or something like that. It came from an original story that was quite dark and uh, quite not, you know, it, the munchkins weren't involved originally, as, as I understand the story. Okay. And you know the movie with Judy Garland? Oh, of course. Yeah. The movie, I mean, and, and all and of that wonderful happy-go-lucky singing and all that, that came. But before that, the story was quite dark. 
Oh, okay. So you were aware of that. I, you see, I, I, I don't know any of this. So, okay. All right. Okay. So you, you know a little more than me on that. Um, well, probably everybody knows I, more than I'm, on this. I'm, on this I'm, 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 I'm fuzzy. I want, yeah, I want to hear, Jeff, if you could give us, give us the 30,000 30, foot sort of story as originally told. <laughs> sure. Um, Not well, the whole story, the concept of the story. Not the yeah. whole story. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, well, it's true that most people know Oz from the film, the 1939 MGM film, The Wizard of Oz. Um, but the story of Oz was actually written almost 40 years before that. Uh, L. Frank Baum wrote The Wonderful Wizard of Oz in the year 1900. And it is actually not that different uh, from the film that you know, um, but there's, there's more to uh, the book, additional characters and, and scenes um, than what the movie presents. Um, but the the book was written for children. Um, I think it's the movie certainly uh, kind of cotton candies things up a little more, but the book is not necessarily dark. Um, I think okay. it's just uh, a, a little more detailed um, and, and rich in the descriptions of, of all the adventures that Dorothy and her friends have. Um, and, uh, but yeah, the, the book is fantastic. And it, this was new for me. I only knew the musical and the movie when I started this process. So I didn't come to this as a, kind of an Oz historian, but I was so fascinated through this process of working with people who really understand the story and all the inspired artworks that came out of it, um, just how amazing this world of Oz is. So it's well. not a dark story to begin with. It's not, it's not, it, it, because I know that, like you know, um, Aesop's and Grimm's fairy tales and things like that. They there was always a dark edge to those because they were they were they were trying to teach kids morals, right? Um, right. So, so the wizard, the Wizard of Oz, wasn't it was like that or it wasn't like that? Well, I mean, there's um, uh, there are ideas that the novel, The Wizard of Oz, is an allegory um, that kind of relates to the economic and political issues of the time uh, in the United States. Uh, but, I mean, you can read that into it, and it's very likely that that was intended. But I think on the surface, as a surface read, you can still appreciate it as a children's story um, that does mm -hmm. ultimately end the same way the movie ends, uh, where Dorothy had the power to go home all along and is reunited with her family. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Joe... You have to mm -hmm. now rethink your whole what you thought you knew about it because it wasn't yeah. necessarily a, a, a dark a dark story. So, okay, so here's something else you probably didn't realize. Uh, tell me if I get the number right, Jeff. There are forty books in the Oz series. Is that right, Jeff? That 40? is correct. Yeah, forty books. So, so just give give because Joe, Joe, you didn't know that, did you? No, not at all. Yeah. Well, okay. So, um I, I'm I'm off the top of my head I'm trying to remember some of the other titles, Jeff, but I can't. Do you have any off off the top of your head? Oh, there's like uh Ozma of Oz and um Handy Mandy and uh you know, other other titles. But yeah, 40 books. It's it's really incredible. People don't realize 
how many official Oz books were written. Um, and I, I like to joke, we're so fascinated by, you know, the Marvel extended universe and the Star Wars extended universe, but this was kind of our original extended universe uh, story uh, with so many characters and adventures that people, you know, don't know exist, but they, they really do. It's a rich, uh, rich background. Well, yeah, 40 mm-hmm. books, like when, when were they written? Uh, the original one, you said he wrote it in like 1900, and then over the course of how many years or decades did he write the other 39? Um, I don't know off the top of my head when the last book was written, um, but mm-hmm. certainly books were written after uh, Baum's passing. Um, okay. And so, so other authors did take on uh, the books um, from there. Interesting. Joe, do you have any questions mm-hmm. so far? Well, I just just I wanted to point out that uh, uh, reading about uh, Frank uh, L. Frank Baum's uh, personal life uh, uh, when he was a child. Uh, he had nightmares of a scarecrow pursuing him across a field. Uh, moments before the scarecrow uh, gripped his neck, it would fall apart right before his eyes. This, these were these, these were some of the uh, the I guess inspirations for the characters in, in the book. And I uh, this, nightmares this maybe what? Yeah. This may be what uh, I was referring to in terms of uh, the, the the dark uh, uh, well underpinnings of, the, of the dark, where the book yeah. came from. I got a, I got news for you, I Joe. Mean, I, I got news for you. Yeah. I got news for you. Uh, not not everything you right. read on the internet is true. So you know who yeah. knows. I don't know what I don't know what you're reading, but not everything you read on the internet is true. So regardless of what some people I say. I just said, but All now right. Jeff, we we are. As we're um, here today, currently with the Esmo Experience number forty-one, Oz, how, what kind of a production? I I wasn't there. Jackie was there for the opening. How would you describe it to someone uh, quickly, as you know, just a blurb? Hey, you should go see this. What would you say that that they would see it as? Is it a a traditional art exhibit? Is it uh, performance art. What would you say? Uh, someone sure. Um, yeah. So, Experience Forty One Oz is all about the book, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, and the inspired artworks uh, that came from that mm-hmm. book. Um, it's a colorful uh, and fanciful experience. Uh, we worked with two uh, renowned LA artists, Ace Bourne and Copyson who created these five colorful murals depicting five areas within the land of Oz that everybody knows, like poppy fields and the yellow brick road, Emerald City, et cetera. Um, But then interspersed between those murals are uh, a lot of original and often rare artworks, uh, original illustrations um, by Denslow and Neil and many other artists um, that were in the book series. Of, of Oz. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's this celebration of uh, this series of books and, and the whole Oz universe that goes so far beyond what people would know uh, if they only knew the movie. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. they only had a wow. brain. 
(laughs) (laughs) I thought that was appropriate. Um, Joe, real quickly, let's do our let's do our station break, and when we come back, we can get. I want to get into. I want to get into the nitty gritty of this. Okay. Great. Uh, One of the iconic uh, pieces of Hollywood uh, history is the 1939 Wizard of Oz with Judy Garland. It is classic beyond classics, and it is inspired by the book by uh, uh, L. Frank Baum, uh, uh, which is called by many uh, historians one of the first great American folk tales because uh, several places that are recognizable, like Kansas and Omaha, are mentioned in the the story. And uh, uh, that was first published, I believe, uh, in 1900. Uh, So it is is a great piece of American uh, history, um, some of which you can experience at uh, the El Segundo Museum of Art. So we hope that you will check it out. But also, I hope you will experience our podcast every Thursday and Friday uh, at 8 a.m. Thursdays. Uh, it's uh, uh, the South Bay Spotlight, where we spotlight some amazing experience in the South Bay, such as as Mo Experience Number 41, Oz. And uh, on Fridays uh, at 8 a.m., we uh, feature the Manhattan Beach Chamber 360, and we talk about things that are going on in the Manhattan Beach business uh, environment. And uh, if that show on Fridays is sponsored by the Manhattan Beach Chamber, so please join us every Thursday and Friday uh, for uh, these uh, podcasts, or you can listen to them in your car, or you can listen to them while you're working out. Um, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, please find us the South Bay Show. And with that, Jackie? Okay. So. Jeff, Jeff, we're gonna we're gonna talk about Fred and his corner. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I just I just want to uh, give Joe a visual. So in one corner of the museum, it it's not just the corner. It kind of takes up a whole wall and then turns the corner. There is. Oh, gosh, I don't even know how to um, – a montage uh, on the wall of all of this Wizard of Oz, like, related, like, marketing uh, stuff that, I, I mean, I've never seen because I'm sure it was from back in the day. But you know how today, you know, uh, uh, they market, like, serials and movies and phones and cars and stuff. I guess this was kind of what they did back in the day. It was a huge marketing tool. And there's a guy, Fred, that is one of the major collectors of Wizard of Oz paraphernalia. And I guess he he lent a bunch of his stuff to the museum for this exhibit. So, Jeff, tell us about that. Get into the nitty-gritty of that because that's something. Sure. So, yeah, uh, Freddie Fogarty uh, is also an El Segundo resident. And, in fact, uh, when we were kids, we grew up doing theater together. 
um, through the Recreation oh. and Parks Youth Drama Department. Um, so uh, I've known Freddie for a long time, and you're right. He is a major collector um, of Oz uh, ephemera and uh, in artworks. And so Freddie's house is a museum. Uh, <laughs> I mean, people don't pay to go inside, but his whole house is a museum. And it's absolutely fascinating. Several months ago when we were preparing for the show, um, he gave us a tour of his place and the walls were lined um, with Oz artworks um, and artifacts. He had uh, vitrines and glass cases with, with all these pieces inside. And you go from room to room to room. The whole place is a museum. And we thought, this is so fascinating. What if we recreated a piece of Freddie's home museum on the walls of our museum. And that was the inspiration for Freddy's Corner. Um, so what you saw on the walls, we actually took photos uh, of his museum uh, and blew them up, put them on the wall, and then brought his home collection, uh, and really it was probably only maybe a quarter of his collection, uh, into Esmoa and, and presented it as if you might experience it if you went to his house. Okay. Wow. Okay. Okay. That's the that's the sh- that's the short version. Tell us. I mean, snow globes and and tell tell us some of the stuff. I mean, original like what looked like original not cells but illustrations, I guess. And then get into the tell us about this marketing stuff. I mean, there was Wizard of Oz, everything. It was like they yeah. used the Wizard of Oz to sell sell everything. Get, get, tell us about that. <laughs> they did. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the story came out in 1900, so we've had almost 120 years of Oz being a significant part of American culture. Um, And from the very beginning, uh, Oz was a commercial success as much as it was a literary success. Um, And so Freddie does have uh, items pre-movie uh, it was still very, very popular before the movie ever came out um, of Oz board games, uh, of different Oz books or, or toys. Um, you know, you could just get so deep into it. Back in the 60s, they had Oz peanut butter um, and the peanut butter jars became collectibles. And so on display in Freddy's mm-hmm. Corner is uh, peanut butter jars that are Oz themed. Um and then there's been all the inspired uh, artworks that have come uh, from that book. Uh, there was a Broadway show of Oz as early as 1903 that was very, very popular. It ran on Broadway for over 10 years. Um, there was a film that came out before the MGM film. And then subsequently, there's been inspired arts uh, artworks like The Wiz and Wicked and... Um, you know, television shows. In 1985, Disney produced Return to Oz, which is a film sequel with Faroja Balk. Um, and so Freddie has these pieces um, that have come from all of that and all the marketing tie-ins that were attached to each of these uh, different artworks that, that came out. So, okay, the marketing Whoa. tie-ins. Is, is this the first, uh, does anybody know, was this the first time that, that 
a pro, you know, products use something like, I mean, it, today it's common, you know, uh, you see, uh, you see superheroes and McDonald's and stuff, you know, er- everything is marketing ties, but is it, is this the first one ever? I, I, I mean, it's early enough, isn't it? <laughs> I'm not sure if it's the first ever, but certainly it's, you know, we're seeing the early marketing tie-ins um, that, that we would do here, here in the United States. Um, you know, it's, it's fascinating. Like there's a book they sold called uh, the Waddle book. And uh, you could uh, buy this book inside. It had instructions for how to assemble these paper characters from Oz. Then you would like cut out the paper, form them into these little characters and then waddle them around. And so, you know, back in the, I forget if it was the twenties or the thirties when this came out, but you know, they were already thinking about merchandising um, out of this book um, that early uh, so it's amazing to see the origins of, of how merchandising worked. And then, you know, the, the brand partnerships and the, the product tie-ins that started to show up, I think more in the, you know, once the film came out, you started to see that a lot more uh, clearly um, how, how brands would cross promote. But uh, yeah, it's really amazing to see the origin of that. Yeah. I got to believe that that marketing tie-in thing, that's got to be an American invention. You know, I don't see I don't see any other culture mm-hmm. of people coming up with that idea. It's got to be an American thing. Don't you think? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> yeah, no, it just seems like such an American, you know, capitalist thing. You know, um, uh, okay, so all right, so we we tried explaining Freddie's Corner to give you give you Joe and our listeners an idea of you know yeah. what you're going to see, and this stuff this stuff is very cool. You know, you're, you're looking at yeah. like, what is this? You know, I mean, as I said, there's more traditional stuff like the snow globes, you know, in the board game. But it, the marketing aspect of it is, I found, really super fascinating. Um, so there's there's this whole, I, you know, I find it amazing that Fred is also a local El Segundo boy. And I, I got to ask, you know, you said you've known him long, 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 long time. Did you always know that his house was a museum to the Wizard of Oz? Um, I yes. discovered it a few years ago. I um, When I did Broadway in the Park in El Segundo in 2013, we produced The Wizard of Oz, uh, the musical in the park. And uh, knowing that Freddie was a collector and an Oz historian, uh, we worked with him to uh, kind of build out our, our social media um, and and create fun trivia opportunities for people to get to know the story a little deeper. And so that was the first time that uh, I had a chance to see uh, his house and kind of experience his collection. And and since then, um, it's only grown. Um, you know, it's it's really cool to see uh, how much more uh, he's added to that, and kind of the just the depth and the richness of of all these different pieces from all these sources that he has. So let, you know, Joe, you know, for clarification, there's Mm -hmm. a big collector fan collector scene for the wizard of Oz. I mean, uh, I, I, you know, uh, it's probably worldwide. I mean, Jeff has to get, uh, excuse me, Fred has to get this stuff someplace. So I'm sure he goes to, you know, conventions and gatherings and stuff like that. Uh, You know, I'm, I'm sure, you know, and then of course the internet, you can find a lot of stuff these days, but, um, it was it was very impressive and 
and there was another aspect to this is I don't know if I don't know if Jeff noticed it because he was busy, but there were people dressed up. Um, there were a couple of Dorothys there, were full on with ruby red slippers and gingham dresses. Uh, I saw quite a few pairs of ruby red slippers. I didn't I didn't see anybody dressed up as a scarecrow or a lion, but um, so th- so it was an interesting cross section of people that came to this because. Um, Esmoa has their their list, their guest list. You know, you know, sponsors, people that have supported them in the past, media. You know, so you get that crew, and then you get the El Segundo business community that comes in. You know, it's kind, there's kind of a regular crew, and then of course you have the artists and their associates, and then you have fans. Jeff, Jeff, were there? Were there? What was the fan? The fan base. I mean, there were serious, some serious fangirl and fanboy stuff going on there. <laughs> there was. I mean, that's one of the cool things about the story of Oz is that it, you know, kind of reaches so many different people from different walks of life. Uh, so it truly was a, a an eclectic group, I think, that was there. Um, but yeah, I, fans young and old, I, I think you have collectors um, who are, are older and know the stories uh, really, really well. Uh, many collectors actually live nearby, and you'd be surprised to know um, that there are multiple major collections here in El Segundo. Um, so, uh, okay, well, okay, you know, I think uh, expand expand on that. I didn't know that. Who knew that? Why would it be in El? Why would El Segundo <laughs> be a hotbed well, for for Wizard of Oz collectors? <laughs> I'm not sure why. Um, I, you know, I think it may just be a, a wonderful turn of fate. Uh, but uh, but yeah, you, you have a couple um, major collections that are here in El Segundo, um, and then mm-hmm. uh, one in Santa Barbara as well. And so it, it was amazing that many of the pieces. Oh, and uh, in TV, it was amazing that many of these pieces um, we didn't have to go very far to find because uh, the South Bay um, seems to be a place where Oz collectors love to love to be. Um, and it's great to have that local art available for our, our, our exhibit. Well, there is one reason. Well, uh, you know, the original Wizard of Oz, that's early Hollywood, and of course the South Bay Jackie is the, it's, what do we, what did he say? It is where Hollywood lives. I mean, the art designers and art directors and script people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But wait a minute. But wait. No, no, no. Wait. Wait a minute, Joe. Not in 1939. There were, sure. you know, not in 1930. No, I don't think so. I don't think I the yeah. the South Bay was that developed back then. I don't think. I mean, up until no, the 50s, the, the hill was bald. You know, Palos Verdes was a bald hill. There were no trees. You know, there were very few structures up there. I, I don't. I don't think the, the South Bay. I mean, I know that Redondo has celebrated its hundred, and Manhattan celebrated. El Segundo celebrated their hundredth. Hermosa right. maybe recently celebrated hundred. So, but I don't. I don't think Hollywood was living down here then. Uh, I hear stories uh, from old oh, residents. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hollywood. Oh. Okay. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Jack no, what Lamp, you're saying is older. Jack let, let, Lamp lived in Hermosa when he was a young Hollywood. Um, um, El, uh, Elvis Presley lived on the hill 
when he was get out of here. You're coming lying. to Hollywood in, lying. in the 50s. No, You're in lying. the 50s. When he was coming to Elvis Presley. No. True. Huh. I don't know. Did you read that on the internet again? No. No, these are people who knew them, <laughs> who, who actually lived next door to Elvis Presley. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, but no, Hollywood. you know, I was thinking, you know, I was thinking, no, I get what you're saying is that people that collect stuff, people, Hollywood people live in the South Bay now and they collect these these items. Mm, okay, yeah. I see what you're getting. Mm, I thought mm. you were saying like back in the 30s, 40s. Okay, sorry about that. That was my fault. I I just took that the completely wrong way. Sorry about that. So yeah, no, no. There's a ton of Hollywood people that live in the South Bay now, and many of them oh, yeah. are probably collectors of Hollywood memorabilia. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Well, I it can't just be the wizard. It can't just be the Wizard of Oz, though. I would imagine that there's other stuff like you know, well, people collecting stuff from other Hollywood movies and. You know, oh, Gone yeah. with the Wind must be a big one. Yeah, interesting. Did you come across any of that, Jeff, in your travels? Um, others, other collections. Yeah. Yeah. Are you referring to? Um, I mean, as we talked to the collectors in uh, in preparation for this show, you know, some of these collectors also collect other things as well. Um, so, uh, you know, whether it's um, you know, kind of different things within the Oz story, or even I know Freddie has a few like minor collections from things that have nothing to do with Oz. Um, so I think that uh, there's both the fascination with the story, but also the fascination with stories and the artifacts that are left behind. And um, there are many people who are just passionate about uh, what those artifacts tell us about um, kind of the depth and the cultural impact of, of some of these stories. Yeah, well, what about those poppy fields? You know, I've always wondered about that. Can anybody explain to me the poppy fields? You know, I think, I think Joe, that's where you get that concept of, you know, a darkness to the origins of the stories because, you know, we all know what poppy fields are today, but back then, Jeff, do you have any insight on that? Um. I mean, I, I think that what we understand about poppy fields was, you know, also something that was culturally understood then as well. Um, right. But I, I think what's, what's interesting about Oz is you can have two readings on it, right? Um, you can read it simply as a children's story, um, and it works as a children's story. Um, but then you can also kind of read the story behind the story um, and, and kind of see themes uh, that that kind of relate to uh, kind of the political and economic realities of the day um, that mm-hmm. that kind of go a little deeper and 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 so it's fascinating to me that you have this story that works so well both ways depending on who the audience is and, and how they choose to read it. Right. 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 I mean, the poppy uh, feels. When, yeah. Go ahead, Jeff. When we talk about. When we talk about poppy fields in The Wizard of Oz, there were many, many people in the audience uh, in 1939 that were, you know, obviously it's fun. The movie is fun, but they're thinking poppy fields. I mean, the opium wars really affected their fathers and mothers and their grandfathers and grandmothers. 
the opium wars in China were 1839 to 1860. 1860, that was just 40 years earlier than the book was written. And that's, that was a very bloody and, you know, sort of a, a big confluence between British and Chinese forces um, that, that shaped a lot of political opinion around, around the world about opium and about its destructive nature and about stuff like that. Well, you know, it's so easy, you know, as as Jeff was just saying, la di da di da, fun children's book on the surface, but then you throw in poppy fields <laughs> and you unleash the flying monkeys and you have a guy behind a curtain <laughs> running things, mm. you know, then it then it gets sinister. Then it gets sinister. Right. You're right. You're right. 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 A deep and and amazingly powerful uh allegory. Amazingly metaphor yeah yes, i'm just absolutely. not sure a metaphor i'm not sure a metaphor for what though i i don't i don't i don't know i don't know um i don't i don't know about that i don't know about that we i i don't know i'll have to do a little more research on it and i'm not talking about looking up on the internet what it means but um earlier jeff you mentioned the murals that were done that there were five of them and um gosh they were they were they were multimedia they weren't just murals painted on a wall there joe they were multimedia there was there was uh projection and there were little little toto dog in each of them and uh th- those were pretty mm-hmm. cool what what where did that come from where where did that concept come up come from sure um so from the very beginning uh we wanted to present an experience that felt immersive that felt like you know that was larger than life guests could see the Emerald City ahead of them and it, and it towered above them or see the expanse of the poppy fields. And so we knew that we didn't want the art all to be small art, um, but that we wanted to incorporate these murals um, and have some larger pieces as well. Um, and also it was significant to us to, to have some pieces that were specifically created for this show. Um, because over the last 120 years, the story of Oz has inspired all these artworks, uh, we wanted to demonstrate that it continues to inspire art today. Um, and so we partnered with Ace Bourne and Copyson, and they created these amazing uh, murals, these amazingly colorful murals. Um, and you mentioned, uh, as Moa's show, the graffiti show, Scratch, um, Ace Bourne was actually one of the artists from Scratch. Um, and so we brought him back, um, and, you know, just have this wonderful relationship with him, uh, such a great collaborator, collaborator. Um, and he kind of had this idea of looking at each of these places in Oz from a unique perspective. So you see Munchkinland through the perspective of Glinda's bubble or the poppy field Mm. as if you're the size of a field mouse and you're just kind of barely seeing above the flowers and there's Dorothy and her friends asleep in the flowers. Um, and so, yeah, just, I think a really cool take that brought the story to life. Uh, but you yes, mentioned, and the, as... uh, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, you mentioned the projected elements. Um, yes. you know, even though we didn't end up doing kind of this ticketed projections projection show, we still wanted to find ways to, integrate uh, projection into this show. And so we, as you mentioned, uh, there's one mural, the witch's castle where the door is projected and the door opens and closes. And we get to see some of the witch's shenanigans going on inside her castle. 
um, through the door. Um, and uh, another mural, the Emerald City, we overlaid projection on top of that. So it's almost like a living mural. The pieces that are depicted in the artwork come to life. Um, and, and really, it all kind of ties back to uh, an idea that uh, L. Frank Baum had. Back in 1908, he created a thing called fairy logs, kind of like monologues or travelogues, but it was fairy logs. And what he would do mm-hmm. is get up in front of a crowd and start telling part of the story of Oz. But then as he told it, he used the technology of the day, slide projections, early film, and live actors who kind of popped out and then brought that story to life as he was telling it. And so it was fascinating for us to kind of carry on in that same tradition in uh, not only just presenting the story or presenting the art, but using the technology of our day uh, to try to bring that to life in a new and interesting way. Now, there were some very cool, there were a lot of very cool aspects in those murals, as you said, the projection. And one of the things, you know, and and we always talk about Esmoa being a small space. You know, it's not this gigantic space. It's a one-room deal. It's not large. You have high ceilings, but it's not particularly large. But that's what I, that intimacy that comes with that, what I love about it is that you have to take your time and stop and take the things in as a whole before you see everything. Because I looked at all of those murals, you know, we can you know, I came my husband and I went and we walked around and we looked and and you know, you go up close. You have a tendency, I have a tendency to get up close to things to look at them. And it wasn't until I was all the way almost up by the front door that I I think it was when you were speaking and I looked over at the green mural and that was the first time I saw the tornado going around mm-hmm. it. And, I, and I'm like, what? You know, but up close, I completely missed that. And, and I'm standing there going, oh, wow. And I nudged my husband. I'm like, did you see that before? He's like, no, I didn't see that. And then a couple of seconds later, a rainbow. And I was like, okay, so I, I missed this whole thing by getting up close. you got to look at it from a distance to see those things. Um, you know, similar with um, – I can't remember which color the other one was with Dorothy throwing the the, the bucket on the witch and I'm melting, I'm melting, you know, that, that thing. Mm-hmm. But but um so you need to take your time looking at experiencing the experiences and you need to experience them from different angles and distances. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's back to that idea of perspective that you see some things yeah. when you're up close and you see other things when you're far away. Um, and, yeah. and yeah, I think that's a, an interesting element uh, that, that we were really excited to explore. Yeah. Very cool. And then De- Fred's corner, it's, it's like going down the rabbit hole, you know, that I was just looking at all that stuff going, what is, I mean, you know, there were, it was, it was too crowded to take that all in, you know, that's something that I need to go back you know, when there's not as many people and, and just go and look at it because there's an awful lot there. There is. And, and that's something that we were actually, uh, you know, excited to do is present an experience that um, you can enjoy it the first time you go, but we encourage people to go back again. Um, you know, I think there's, there's so much detail you can get into um, and, and really dig into experiencing. And, you know, what's cool about uh, Freddie's Corner is that 
um, you know, we have chairs there and we have tables there and you can actually, you know, grab a book and read it and, um, and dig more into uh, the story of Oz. So we, we certainly encourage that multiple viewings. <laughs> you know, it's mm. so funny mm. because I saw people sitting and they were, and there were some people walking around and I thought that I did, I was like, are they characters? Are they working the room or are they fans? I couldn't, <clears throat> I couldn't decipher what was going on. Uh, Jeff, do you, do you know what I'm talking about? There were, there were people like, you know, not necessarily costume, but, um, they they seem like characters. Yeah, um, that's part of the Oz fan community. Um, you, we have some people who do a lot of cosplay, and, uh, okay. and they came to you know dressed up as as certain characters or in the style of certain characters to celebrate a story that they they really love. Yeah, mm. yeah, it was very in, it was very interesting. Um, you know, so uh, yeah, okay, so it opens. Today, um, what are the new hours? Uh, the new hour with Thursday is it ten or what, what? Jeff, do you know the hours? The for Esmo. Um, so it's Esmo is open Thursday, Friday, Saturday, uh, and, and please double check this because I don't have it in front of me. But I believe um, it's one o'clock um, to eight o'clock, um, and then uh, Thursday, Friday, and then uh, ten to five, I believe, on Saturday. Um, but I think you're but right. Please, Please double check that for me. Um, however, in addition to those, I did want to point out uh, that we have a couple events that are coming up uh, in June. It's not just the exhibit, but Esmoa is great at um, creating events that people can experience that are special. I am. Tell us. Tell us. Uh, so just coming up in June, uh, we have uh, an event called Just Draw, which is uh, every Friday. Um, from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m., um, where people of all skill levels can come and draw uh, with artists at ESMOA. Um, and so it's a great way to learn there. Uh, we have uh, an art talk that we're very excited about. Speaking of Freddie's Corner, uh, the art talk is called The Magic of Collecting, which will be on Thursday, June 27th at 6.30 p.m. It's free. Um, and we will have uh, several collectors uh, who are there, uh, Patricia Elliott Tobias, Freddie Fogarty, of course, and Paul Bienvenu, all be uh, moderating that talk. And it will all be about collecting, so you can learn more about uh, the group of passionate Oz collectors that are out there. Um, and then lastly, I just want to highlight, uh, El Segundo has an art walk every third Thursday, and so on June 20th will be the first art walk. And uh, it's it's just a great opportunity for people to experience uh, experience 41 Oz and see some of the other great art that's here in El Segundo that day. Oh, Joe and I are huge fans of the art walk. Um, I boy, oh boy, Joe, yeah. you remember that? You remember that we had we had um, the very first year uh, we we right. had Holly Crawford on the podcast the day of the very first one, and she was. You know, we spent the hour talking about the event, and Joe and I were like, this sounds fantastic. We need to go to this. So Joe and I met down there that night, and uh, boy, oh, boy, so impressed with that event. And I have been to every one since. I go to all three every summer. Um, fantastic event. Really looking <laughs> forward to it again this year. Uh, yeah, yeah, very, very excited. So, okay, so uh, Esmoa, that's the El Segundo Museum of Art. Uh, right there on is it is it Main Street uh, Main Street 
in Elsinore. Yes. It's right. It, it's right across the street, caddy corner from uh, uh, Rock and Brews. It's across the street from Sasal. Uh, it's right next next door to Brewport, which is a very happening place. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So right there, you can't miss it because there's always a crowd in front. Uh, so their new experience <laughs> number forty one Oz opens today at one o'clock uh, from one to eight eight p.m. tonight. It'll be open. Stop by. I believe the uh, experience runs for four months, three or four months. So you have you have some time. But tonight, today is the opening, and I'm sure there's going to be a right. whole bunch of big Oz fans there today. So you may get to you know if you have the ruby slippers, wear them. You know you got you got your right. flying monkey, bring them. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. So so yeah. So uh, and uh, check it out on the website esmoa.org. E-S-M-O-A, that's Elskinner Museum of Art.org. Check it out. Joe, you want to wrap up this show? Well, I just want to say, Jeff, um, this is important. This is ESMOA. We are so thankful for this resource in our community, and I want to thank you for uh, curating this experience. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate this uh, opportunity to talk to you about Experience 41 Oz. All right. And uh, you're going to be there this weekend? Oh, go ahead. Well, Jeff, are you going to be there this weekend? Um, I I will be in and out uh, throughout the run. Uh, We run until September 21st. Um, So uh, I will be stopping by at some point this weekend. I'm not sure when yet, um, but excited to see people come out. Yeah, I I expect Oz aficionados to be flying in from all over the world because uh, it's amazing what uh, you've done and what Esmoa does in general to create these kinds of experiences, which really are world-class art installations. Um, you go with yourself if you're an Oz uh, lover, an Oz aficionado, a collector, you, you have to come and see the show. Um, and with that, thank you so much, Jeff uh, Kaysen, for joining us today. Thank you. And, of course, thank you, Jackie. Always a pleasure, Joe. All right. That's our show, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.